It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. At the Mojo Radio Show, we scour the planet to find the biggest names in health, creativity, wellness, strategy, Brand, performance, management, and more. This, this is going to be crazy. This is Jason Overcome Redman. Hey, I'm David Costa. Hi, this is Cal Newport, author of Deep Work. G'day, this is Ryan Park. I'm Batman. This is Ivan Davies from my family. I'm Andrea Burke from the Canadian National Women's Rugby Team. And Lucas Fakendee. This is Tate Fletcher, Cage Fighter. Listen to Mojo Radio Show, or I'll be coming to see you. Then we ask them the big questions. Oh, man, this is such a great question. You've actually landed right on the mark. That's a, another really good question. It's great talking to some clever dudes, frankly. I've gone probably a little bit more in-depth with you than, uh, than I have in the book. I've done, like, 500 interviews, but nobody asked me about this. <laughs> oh, wow. And sometimes we talk about darts. There we go. Can I tell you, Dina, Gary's favourite sport is darts. How athletic is that? I think it's uh, interesting that it's your favourite, but I won't be judgmental. (laughs) Look, it's the only sport that I know of where a prerequisite is a pint of beer and a cigarette. Come on, let's be honest. The Mojo Radio Show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. So you try throwing half a dozen darts in a row and just see how you go, Uh, my friend. But we hope you will. Welcome. I got my to the Mojo Radio Show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have you on board the big red bus. Another week, full gas ahead into season seven. If you are new to the show, remember you can easily trawl back through our back catalogue to there's some 280 shows. And if you like what you hear, do us a favour. Give us a one-liner on iTunes in the ratings and reviews section because it does help the show, but it also, more importantly, lets us know you're out there. It keeps us going. And given the fact we have, sadly, no advertisers and no sponsors, we are virus-free, as in we have no coronas, uh, that's your fare for being on the bus. So do us a favour, leave us just a one-liner or a click, let us know what you think. Collecting tickets to board the bus, Chief Engineer Robbo, set to rock and roll for episode 263. 264, in fact, believe it or not. 264. 264, big fella. Uh, And I would also like to dedicate 264 to someone, if I could be so self-indulgent, please. Go. My 87-year-old uncle passed away on the weekend who was a big influence on my life. He was one of those uncles that always made you laugh and... You know, he could tell when you were feeling down and he cheered you up. So, Ron Dean, this one's for you, mate. It's interesting because the Mojo Radio Show is heard in 78 countries uh, and, in, and, and actually a couple of continents, including heaven. So uh, <laughs> I think the iTunes, we've got a big audience mm-hmm. up in the, mm-hmm. uh, up in the, well, let's say up in the cloud or beyond the cloud, yep. uh, big audience. So uh, granddads, grandmas. Can I tell a quick story about Ron? He, uh, he, was pos- he died of cancer and he was positive about it the whole way through. In fact, he made it far further along than his doctors ever expected him to. And I went to see him uh, four weeks ago now and he was, he was pretty much close to the end. And 
you could tell, I mean, he was on morphine and all that sort of stuff that comes with the end run of cancer. But as I was leaving, I said, you know, you make sure you look after yourself. And he said, hey, the bastard hasn't beaten me yet. <laughs> so, you know, that's Stoic. the attitude. It's funny, we talk about resilience, grit and stoicism, yet we don't think about it in the situation. And quite often I'll say to an audience, if I'm speaking, that people have dreams. Yeah. Some people's dreams is to get to the 1st of April to watch their little girl walk down the aisle or to get to the 30th of May because their daughter is expecting a baby. Mm-hmm. There are people in hospital whose dream is just to get through the week. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so stoicism and resilience and grit shows itself in lots of different ways. The Mojo Radio Show. So let's get into the show. Special one this week, something different. Two guests on the line simultaneously, both repeat offenders to the show, but both great guys who had, I got to say, enormous value through the show. Their wisdom and the shared knowledge. And as you'll hear, something else that's kind of cool with the podcast world is the the massive respect that these guys have for each other's work. Our two guests this week are mates from the United States of America, Ryan Munsey and Logan Gilbrick are our guests. Ryan Munsey, he's the host of the Better Human Project podcast, author of a new book called Your Feelings. <laughs> Ryan is honestly, he's a great guy. I talk to him regularly. He is a world-class high-performance consultant. He's a thought leader in wellness, personal development. And this is a guy, I honestly, through every bone of his body, he just wants to help you find tools to elevate your life. Also on the line, we've got Logan Gilbrick, who's the owner of Deuce Gym in LA, former pro baseball player, CrossFit coach, strength coach, entrepreneur, writer, teacher. He's a Yoda. He's a modern day philosopher and the author of an excellent book called Going Right. He's also known for his philosophy, which which is a T-shirt, hashtag hold the standard. And in this show, we want both of the boys on the line to teach us how to turn right. So, boys, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. Always a pleasure to chat with you guys. Thanks for having us on. I, I reckon, Gary, this might be a double shot Monday, don't you? We haven't had haven't had a double uh, shot Monday for ages, especially with this much talent on the line. I've got to say, we've had we've had we've had two guests on the line when they've been in the same room together, but certainly not this caliber mm-hmm. of, of talent yeah. in different locations. But what? Because this is going to be different. I, I I like to do the setup differently. Ryan, tell me your impressions of your friend Logan. If someone had not met Logan and oh, they man. asked you to describe Logan and what he does and how he does it, what would you say? Let's talk about pressure. Yeah, yeah, straight up. You came out swinging, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I would say Logan is um, – an incredibly special human. Uh, he's one of the most thoughtful, um, compassionate, uh, driven people that I know. Um, and I, I don't even think that begins to do him justice, but I think he is somebody who is committed to answering some of life's most challenging questions. Uh, I think that's something that interests him on a personal level, but also comes through in all of his work. Um, on the surface, you know, if somebody didn't know who he was, I would say he, 
uh, runs Deuce Gym, uh, one of the coolest and, and you know most successful gyms that I know of. He'll be the first to tell you that to call it a gym is is an understatement. It's much more than that. Um, you know, he's the author of uh, Go Right. Um, yeah, he, I, I don't even know where I would really begin um, other than, than those things. Um, but I think that sells him short. Well, we've got that recorded for you, Logan. You can use that in your uh, in your socials. I'll bet him on you a hundred bucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I expect a check in the mail. So, Logan, if you return the favour, tell me how yeah. you would describe or introduce your friend Ryan to someone who doesn't know him, who he is, what he does, and why why Ryan. Yeah, no pressure. Um, you know, I would start by saying that Ryan is refreshingly brilliant and accomplished. And the reason why I use that word refreshingly is, you know, I don't, maybe it's a social media thing or like a, you know, 2019 thing, but I think oftentimes folks, are projecting and leading with so much that uh, it's it's almost rare that there's follow through or like some tangible substance behind you know the posturing that goes around. And I find that Ryan is specifically the opposite. And you'd have to be courageous enough to engage with him for a good length of time to have any real context to like the depth of that well and um and his you know his thoughtful kind of work his insight uh isn't really one that can be categorized well i think on the surface the most simple way is you know in the health and wellness space he knows you know, he's forgotten more than, than most uh, have ever learned, and uh, he can articulate very difficult concepts very clearly, uh, you know, whether it's in his book or in talks, uh, multiple mediums. Uh, but I just find that, like, that's where I would start to put my energy is is whatever meets, you know, the eye or the ear, you know, even on a podcast, a long-form conversation at the end, you're sort of hearing maybe just the tip of the, the iceberg, and, and that's just refreshing to me, I find. I, I'm going to keep you at bat, Logan, because something that Ryan said in his introduction of you, which I completely agree with, concur with, is what I'm curious about is that he, the comment he made was that he's you run Deuce Gym, it's not a gym, it's more than that. You are more than that. But what I'm interested in is now having done the book, which I love, and I reference each week what I'm sharing with audiences, I think the content is gold. You've got interesting philosophies that you share, yet when you own and run a successful gym in a traditional sense, although it's not, it kind of is, does that identity in some way work a little against you? Do you have to work a little harder with people because of that identity by association? to encourage people to embrace your thoughts? All, I mean, yeah, all the time. I find, you know, here's how I'll, I'll sort of answer the question is in the, in the Hold the Standard Summit that I teach, this, this seminar to, you know, folks in leadership, 
entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, you know, of any discipline, what comes up is this sort of honest understanding that everyone, every place, and everything has a stereotype. Um, when you say the word gym, there's a stereotype. And when you see or speak to me, there's a stereotype. And, and the reason for that is, is I think much less evil than that word brings about. I mean, even when I say the word stereotype, there's certain, you know, ideas come to mind and, and, you know, some of them are like maybe race or these kind of more controversial things that can feel quite evil. And in many ways they are, but I think, uh, if we can understand what a stereotype is, then we can sort of address your question. And, and uh, you know, a stereotype is just like the brain's way of saving energy. You know, it's it's a, a lazy man's understanding. And, and for good reason, because if we went and if I had to learn everything about a Ryan Muncy the moment that I met him, then, well, I would just be standing in front of this guy for years, right? I couldn't move on with my life. And so there's a certain tangible advantage to having stereotypes. But if we don't recognize that, that we all have these stereotypes, then we can't do what I'm often coaching people to do, which is to, to bridge the gap between your stereotype and your true value. And, and we all have a gap. And one of the unfortunate truths about stereotypes is uh, I don't think there's ever been a stereotype that automatically grants the person, place, or thing its true value, right? Every stereotype is like a, a very diminished understanding of that person, place, or thing. And so I find myself, just to be kind of a little bit vulnerable and transparent, I find myself uh, you know, being this kind of like anti fitness person all the time. And I've, I've done that throughout my, this sort of chapter of my life, which is I don't want to succumb to my stereotype as just another aesthetically minded meathead who, uh, maybe, uh, embodies all of the diminished views of what being a gym owner or a coach or a fit person might sort of bring about. And so what that has done in a positive way is it's forced me to create value and communicate well and, and help bridge that gap in ways that really break people's frame of understanding of maybe me or the gym and and you know I, I think we've been a little bit successful with that because many people find themselves doing what Ryan did which is like yeah it's a gym but but it's not and and they can't really let the, the finish the, the sorry the sentence finish there and so that's sort of what we're after is is sort of creating value towards our truth it's called barbells um Ryan, Ryan, you've you. It's interesting. This identity thing's been a, a thread we've had through the show now for a couple of years, and the question I've got is based on identity. It's same but different to how Logan framed that. But if we go back through your career, there was a point where you were a successful fitness model, but you said you had a growing dissatisfaction of how you're either perceiving yourself in that world or how others were perceiving you in that world. Are we, do you, is your observation now that 
having been through that yourself and creating what you have now as your own identity, do you think that it's even more prevalent that that dissatisfaction or living in other people's expectations of identity because of our socials and how we can get access and it's a a look at me world. Having been through that now, how do you see it when you look through the microscope? That's a loaded question. Um, It's always, (laughs) you know, and and to follow Logan when he articulates thoughts so completely and and beautifully, I I feel like I'm going to sound like a blunt instrument. Um, Yeah, you know, um, I, I think I think the question here, a question of identity, is is one that that we all struggle with. Um, I think from from a very early age, we're all trying to figure out, uh, you know, who we are, what we want this journey to be. Um, you know, when we're you know teenagers um, and, and into our early twenties, we may not necessarily realize that that those are the things that we're trying to establish and, and figure out. Um, many of us, mid twenties, thirties, we, we start to have that awareness that, that we are in that space. And, um, you know, that's a, at whatever age we are, when we figure out that is something that we have to figure out, it's a, it's an ongoing journey, uh, for whatever amount of time we're blessed, uh, to be able to spend here. And I think, I think one of the struggles there is that so many people um, assign guilt or shame or uh, some other negative thought process or or belief to the very fact that they have to figure that out. They, they so many people that I see almost think that there's something wrong with them because they don't know the answers to those questions um, and. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if this is exactly answering the question that you're asking, but I, I think as I move through the chapters of my life, um, I have shifted away from seeking success um, and shifted towards seeking fulfillment. Um, I, I don't care about how others might perceive what I do or don't do. Um, I know that if I'm trying to make somebody else happy, that my own happiness is always going to be dependent upon somebody else. And that's no way to go through life. Um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, so getting back to identity, I mean, I think it's really looking inside and determining 
what are your values? What are the things that you stand for? What do you stand against? Um, how do you want to move through the world? How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be talked about? Uh, what words do you want other people to use when they talk about you or describe you? Um, you know, and, and when you can do that, um, you can then start to align your choices and decisions and actions with those values um, and, you know, continue to ask yourself what will make you feel fulfilled and start to pursue those things. And I think when you start to answer those questions for yourself, your identity, uh, your, your true identity and your authentic self starts to become something that you can wrap your head around. Uh, and then it's up to us to, to try to bring that into reality. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, that's a whole other reckoning, but that I think is the pursuit. That's cool. Uh, Logan, something that Ryan just mentioned about looking inside, what I'm most curious with your stuff is that you've, you've said openly that you are an introvert, yet you're living a kind of identity of having to be an extrovert because you've got to stand in front of people and do hold the standard summits as an author, running a gym and being being present in the gym and having to be the leader of a gym. So you're an introvert living an extrovert's life, having to coach and give advice. How, how do you approach that? What's, what's your own psychology between dealing with the extroversion as a true introvert? Yeah, that's, that's been the heart of a, a lot of my some of the most important self work lately. And I think I can maybe answer this in a way that also dovetails on what, what Ryan just said and your question to Ryan, you know, uh, you, there's a certain shift that can happen. And, uh, it's, it's most specifically called the subject object shift. And so, you know, you're asking Ryan, about this past maybe as like a fitness model and how maybe uh, it sort of felt limiting for him or something like this. In my example, we'll call this like this introversion. And when you are subject to that, it is sort of all consuming. You're not really aware that um, it's, it's a part of you rather it is you. And, and that is something that, um, we cannot discern uh, and get enough space from. And so we are li- most literally subject to it. It's kind of like if you ever have, uh, you know, an experience standing in like a rainstorm and it's just cold and wet and horrible and maybe scary and, and uh, you're very literally subject to this experience. But you know, 10 years later, you could look back on that experience and, and kind of maybe laugh about it or even look fondly on it. And that's because it's been made object, right? You can point to it. You can look at it from outside of the, the sort of suffering of the experience, et cetera, and, and see it from a different light. You know, uh, I often share that same sort of difference about like, uh, stubbing your toe i'll often ask like a room of people like does anybody here stub their toe of course everybody has stubbed their toe and now talking about it it's like funny we all kind of like chuckle at the idea of stubbing our toe and how that experience goes but when it happens to you you are completely subject to it your whole life 
becomes this pain. You're not hungry anymore. You don't have taxes anymore. You're not tired. No other thought. There's no space for anything else but the stubbing of your toe. That's all consuming. And so for, for, for a lot of my less than aware life, I was just introverted and subject to the limits and the criteria and the feelings of that introversion. And uh, as of late, I've been able to, to own this sort of subject object shift where, you know, the language that I help, that I think helps understand this is, you know, do you have it or does it have you? You know, and now Ryan uh, is a person who uh, has experience as a fitness model. But maybe there was a time in his life where that had him. And it, and in ways that he could not see, guided and, and formed his reality. And so for me, I have like enough space from this to be like, ah, I, isn't that interesting? I am this person who has this propensity towards introversion, and now I can sort of look at it and manipulate it and see it for what it is rather than it consuming me like the rain, you know? And that's sort of where, I, where I'm at. I, I can... I can point to it and call it out and name it and recognize it and then, you know, act accordingly. I can choose to, to find, you know, the time to recharge so I can go into environments that I can also point to and see are, are very extrovert, extrovert oriented. And, and it's just, it's really just space in that shift from being subject to making it more object. Do you know, it's interesting we recently interviewed Derek Sivers, formerly CD Baby and great blogger, writer. And I, I, would, I would put him in exactly the same category as you two guys. And, Logan, when you introduced Ryan, you said he's refreshingly brilliant. And what I admire about you and Derek, people like you that sit in this, this world, is being able to find an insight, and I think insight's a word that's poorly used today, but you guys truly do find an insight. But then what I really like, and, I, and I, the question I have is when you have this thought or something something you observe or something gnaws at you or something happens and you go inside to start pondering, how, when you see something like that introvert, extrovert piece, how do you then curate that? Where does it, where do you then, is there a process for you collecting thoughts and then putting it into such a way that you can deliver to share in a book, a blog, an Insta post, in a podcast? Is there actually a process you go through? So Ryan, if I start with you, because I do find yourself, you you have this ability just like Logan or Derek or Tim Ferriss is to get these nuggets, these little true insights, but then is there a process you go through to flesh that into a way that you can articulate what you've been thinking about to add value to somebody else? It's funny. Somebody asked me this a couple of hours ago um, in the <sighs> short episode of the Better Human Project that came out today is, is actually titled Insight Over Information. Um, so there's no doubt it, it is something that I am aware of and that I am intentionally... <sighs> looking for in terms of the things that I share. Um, you know, I think you, you all are, are well aware that in today's world, we're not at a shortage of information. Um, I think where we are short is 
knowing what information to pay attention to and, and knowing what to do with certain pieces of information. And so um, I am trying when I share a podcast or interview somebody or make a blog post or an Insta post, uh, trying to present it in a way that there is insight there, maybe something that is beyond the surface level or connecting dots that people uh, haven't otherwise been able to, to connect um, something along those lines. And the process for me is um, really to just keep my eyes open and those things sort of have a way of coming to me. Um, sometimes I'm driving in the car, listening to music and I, my mind just goes somewhere and it just, I've learned to just let it go and I'll just open my phone and, and record a voice note. And then when I stop driving, I'll, you know, clean it up and save it. I'll come back to it later and, and flesh it out. Uh, so it's, you know, an iterative process to get it from idea to word vomit to cleaned up and presentable. Um, you know, sometimes those become posts. Sometimes they're BHP shorts. Sometimes it's something that I want to add into a workshop. Um, sometimes those ideas come from coaching calls that I have with clients. Sometimes they come from, you know, just feedback or, or questions that, um, somebody might send me over email. Um, they, they come from everywhere. Um, I, I've already, um, uh, I have a, a speaking engagement next summer uh, for a, a leadership retreat. And uh, just two or three mornings ago, I was going through my morning routine and, and this idea formed in my head. And, and I just start thinking through it and, and fleshing it out and sat down on the computer. And, and I have the, the presentation is 90% written. Um, so, I mean, it's, to me, this is one of the things that has always fascinated me because only in the last few years have I been able to start curating and, and cultivating this ability to communicate and articulate these things. Um, I have always been uh, a very analytical person, very scientific by nature. Uh, my schooling is, is very math and science based. Uh, my brain just works that way. Uh, but I have always been fascinated by and, and, um, uh, and just enjoyed watching the creative types. Um, and I have studied a lot of other people's creative processes and their ability to, uh, communicate things and articulate things in ways that are poignant and, and timeless. And it, it's been a deliberate practice to, stay open to these ideas and then to try to work them into something that can be of value to others. Interesting to hear you use the phrase uh, word vomit in there because that's interestingly the way this show gets described fairly regularly on iTunes reviews. <laughs> the, good, the, the, good, the good ones say that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bad ones you say vomit, avoid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Five star vomit. Um, are you? Are you? I get to you in a second, Logan. Are you pen and paper? You just mentioned computer for your vomiting. Is it? Are you a digital guy, Ryan, or do you? Is it a combo? Like what? What specifically? How are you capturing and collating this stuff? 
most of the time it's uh, not pen and paper. Um, my brain goes so fast that if I try to handwrite it, I usually cannot, my hand cannot keep up with my brain. Um, if I'm, if I'm at a computer, I will type. If I'm on my phone, I will uh, word, uh, dictate voice dictate. Um, cause I can't type on a phone as fast as my brain goes. Um, and in those moments, um, if, if you've seen the movie Limitless, like it's it's kind of like that, mm-hmm. and and it just it just appears, it just comes to you. Um, uh, I think we talked about this when when you and I chatted recently, Gary. That uh, Stephen Pressfield has a new book called The Artist's Journey, and you know mm-hmm. the the artist's goal is to to go back and forth between the worlds, and and when you when you get that very very short visit into that higher realm and you have that insight uh, or that whatever it is that that comes to you I, I just have to get it in a form that I can save and come back to later so it's really just it's a mad dash to just get it down somehow somewhere um, and, and then I'll just form it or, or flesh it out figure it out later where are you with this Logan because I find if we use it the example of introvert extrovert, that's that's an in- insight that you've gone inside for and you've thought well enough about to put it into a form that you can then share for someone to use, not just for themselves but for those around them. Like that's a really valuable process and a valuable tool that you have come up with and you've articulated it beautifully. How is there a process for you? Like when, when that comes to you, how do you then take that from the, the, the pondering to curating, working it into something yeah. in order to then disseminate it? How do you do it? You know, I think uh, part of where this conversation goes is like towards techniques and Ryan has techniques that he just shared and, and maybe I have some techniques uh, that I'll, I'll share. I think the key differentiator uh, here begins at something that's more general, which is, for me at least, which is that uh, I think one thing that helps me is the role of learner is, is uh, one of like critical importance. And there's a certain intensity of learning that I think most folks either they don't respect or they don't want to engage in. And, and, you know, if 30 people go into a room for a seminar, you know, there are 30 different levels of understanding that walk outside of that, that learning environment. And so I I think personally, I've just, been the type of person who focuses with great intensity and that really serves me on sort of just a general macro level. And then the, the back end general observation is I, I just sort of view it as like a performance based thing. Maybe this is my bias, but I feel very utilitarian in these kinds of things. And so uh, I'm tethered to the result of communicating and understanding concepts uh, in a way that I think holds uh, everything in the balance, meaning I really, really care about how well I can communicate something to other people. And, and if I relinquish myself of that responsibility, then 
I don't think I get better and I don't think that I will sort of uh, iterate in a way that allows maybe some of the results that bring for, I don't know, the reason for asking the question in, in the first place. And so the, the two kind of general ways I would, I would answer the question are, are those is like an intensity of learning and uh, the more specific ways, like the, more kind of like techniques like when it comes to learning i think you know this is clearly a bias of mine and it's how my mind works to, to sort of use ryan's language uh is that i think on like a systems level you know and i think that really serves me because it's almost like using this natural human ability we have to see patterns just to understand things more Clearly, and so I don't really view ideas or concepts as like islands, and each of them is unique. I I try to understand them on a system level to understand how they work, and then connect them to other things. And I think that really helps me uh, one understand how they work, and then two on the back end communicate them to to other people. It's it's uh, about relating essentially. As an introvert, do you, do you allocate time to yourself, Logan, when you're going through this and pondering these thoughts with your own, let's call it standard operating procedure to ponder these things, is silence, stillness, the notion of being solitary, is that important to you? Yeah, I, I mean, it's to the point where, you know, on the extreme level, it, it's critical to my livelihood. And I, and I think when I have that time and when I defend it, which I do now because of my awareness towards this introversion thing, you know, to, to recall what we said before, like objectively having introversion and not being subject to it. I, I defend my solitude because it's so critical to my livelihood and my performance. And when I feel like I have those carved out times for for thought processing and being still with my ideas that I can do anything. Uh, however, if I'm kind of overexposed and I don't have that time, you know, I. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 30% as effective. And, I, and I'm aware of that and I feel that. Ryan, this could be a very loose question that could go nowhere, but I want to pull on a few threads here to see if we've got something. You, right. Whenever I hear you interviewed and even hearing Logan introduce you, even the chats we have, it seems you're very clear today on your mission as to why, why you do what you do, what do you believe in. And my question is, which could be very loose, does it relate back in some way 
to many years ago when a guy called Roland Lazenby gave you some advice, which you said was an important piece of advice. Does that lend itself to your personal mission today? Well, first of all, you have a really good memory. Um, Secondly, uh, you know, I think, and and for people who are unaware of the advice he gave me, uh, Roland Lazenby is an incredible author. Uh, just so happens to have grown up with my father. Uh, they went to college together. Uh, and in the last probably 10 years, he's published three books uh, that are biographies of uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. Um, prior to that, he followed around the Bulls, Lakers, Celtics. Uh, he's written about the NBA for decades. So, uh, Roland became the guy that if Fox or ESPN or CBS needed a soundbite, they would go to him and, uh, you know, ask him for his opinion on something. And he gave me some advice when I first started my gym, um, probably would have been 2012 or 2013 when he told me, uh, you know, what you need to do is... Uh, interview experts and position yourself as, you know, somebody that people go to, um, you know, to get information or advice or, or whatever. And it took me several years to figure out what to do with that advice. Um, but that advice was part of the, uh, reason that I began podcasting. Uh, there were a few other reasons, but, um, I, I think, I don't think that that particular advice is, it's not something I think about on a daily basis today. Um, so I guess the, the short answer to the question is no. Uh, I, I don't think that really has anything to do with my mission now. Um, I think that, you know, as, as Logan said in his previous answer, I think that 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 particular advice would fall into the category of a tactic or a technique, a tool to, uh, to implement, uh, the larger strategy, uh, or, or larger mission. And that is just, you know, I realize that, that I am a coach, I am a teacher. Uh, you know, I have a lot of, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Logan mentioned being, a you know, an intense learner. And, and that is something that I've always been passionate about. And, you know, I have a lot of information um, and I have a lot of things that I can share with people um, that will be helpful in their pursuits. And so I know that um, my calling is to distribute that information and to try to help as many people as I can um, along their journeys. And and if following that advice from Roland um, helps me to do that, then then sure. Um, but I think it's more of like a tactic uh, or a tool. This uh, particular show came up because you and I did catch up, Ryan, and you sent me that diagram. The kind of outlook sort of made a case for there may be different phases that we go through in our life, and it was like a visual demonstration, which we can post on the show notes um, if you think it's appropriate, uh, Ryan. But explain sure. explain the idea behind your pondering and where you think you currently sit, like what phase you think you're currently in? Yeah, so the diagram, 
stem from two separate conversations. Um, the first conversation I had uh, two or three years ago in Finland uh, with a memory grand champion. Uh, his name is Matthias Ribbing. Um, and he's actually from Sweden, but we were in Finland when we had the conversation. And we were talking about how you have to, or we have to balance um, what we consume with what we create. Um, in other words, these are kind of, um, they exist on a spectrum. And we felt like in this conversation that if we were in create mode, we had to limit what we consumed. And if we weren't in consume, or if we weren't in create mode, we could or would consume more. Um, and by consume, I mean, that can be things that you're learning. It can be uh, social media, podcasts, whatever. I mean, it's all, everything we consume is, um, you know, it's all, it's all inclusive. Um, and so the, the second part of the conversation or second conversation that, that led to this diagram was one with, uh, Brian McDonald, who is the president and co-founder of Mellon, a uh, headwear company. And we were talking about a, a similar concept of, of this spectrum with think and act. And, you know, there's, there's a point where we need to be contemplative and, and considering and, and measuring. And then at some point we, you know, we have to get off our ass or get off the sideline and, and get in the arena and, and act. Um, but if we're always acting without thinking, uh, you know, that can get us into trouble as well. So I ended up after that second conversation, sitting down and, and drawing almost an X, Y uh, coordinate graph, like you would see in, you know, high school math and uh, you know, think is at the top and, and act is at the bottom. And then on the left you have um, consume and on the right you have create. And, you know, I, th I think that most of us, well, all of us at any point in our lives can, can plot where we are on there. You know, we, we come up with and figure out where we are and, and where we are, there, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, it's just a fact that we exist somewhere in that spectrum. Um, and or, or on that plot. Um, the second part of your question, where am I right now? Uh, I have teamed up with uh, my mentor and somebody I mentioned a few times uh, in, in my first book, Paul Reddick, um, and we are working on uh, a book. Uh, we're in the process of talking to agents and, and trying to get a book deal. Um, and as soon as that gets finalized, uh, we will be in full on create mode. Um, and so when I get into create mode, I pretty much turn off all inputs. Uh, I have this fear that if I read something, uh, listen to a bunch of podcasts or read books that some of the things I hear may find their way into my work, uh, subconsciously, uh, or, or without my um, conscious awareness. And you know, I, I never want to come across as, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, plagiarizing or, or stealing things. I mean, I may quote some people or, or work some things in, but that I want that to be intentional. So, um, I, I'm right now kind of straddling that, uh, that midpoint on, on that spectrum of, I'm still consuming a little bit, but as soon as, as soon as this green light hits, then it's going to go right back into full create mode. And, 
you know, there'll be some times where, you know, I pull inspiration or, or ideas from things, but they won't be, uh, topically, um, close to what I'm writing about. So for example, in, in the last book with, with fuck your feelings, it was very neuroscience heavy. Uh, as I was writing that, anything that I read or watched or consumed had nothing to do with the brain or psychology or physiology. Um, you know, I might've been reading about football or, you know, something else. So, um, I, I, I try to stay off topic with the consuming stuff if I'm in create mode. So Logan, based on that, in your given day that you control and or your given week you can control, do you compartmentalize yourself for time for thinking time for acting, time to consume, time to create. Do you intentionally compartmentalize or do you do it on the fly? I, I'm a person that needs a certain amount of, of freedom uh, to, I think, maximize my sort of disposition. And so, you know, as much as I hear all the podcasts and all the the techniques around, you know, batching emails and chunking time and doing all this stuff. I do very little of it. Uh, however, I think we arrive at similar outcomes, uh, semi-naturally. So I have like uh, a morning time that is, you know, well, well guarded. Uh, and then I also have times in my quote unquote work life that are just highly focused, um, efforts simply because they have to be like coaching or speaking or something like that. And so, uh, there is, a a dance between the different sort of planning, executing type of, uh, modes in, I think, you know, maybe that's just my preference, but I think there is some general, truth to that, uh, you know, as much as like, you know, a listener would want the answer, I think, unfortunately, performances uh, like that of just doing life well um, is is a dance, you know, and, you know, what, what came to mind as Ryan was talking was, um, you know, the, the, the relationship between like accuracy and precision, which is uh, Craig Glassman once did a, a great description of this, and he did it with uh, the imagery of target shooting. You know, and it's like if we just place what I'm about to say in the context of the goal being to fire 10 shots as quickly and effectively as possible in like a range you know, shooting range, if that's the goal and we observe, uh, let's say great precision, which is like, if you can imagine in your mind, the target, just a big round bullseye kind of emanating out of the middle, you can imagine 10 rounds tightly grouped in the upper left hand corner of the target, well away from the center. It's like, this is great precision, but a very poor accuracy. You know, and, and, and then if you observe 10 rounds directly through the bullseye, almost like some bullets going through the same, you know, uh, hole, it's like, I think we would look at that as like a great effort, you know, a great round because all 10 shots are in the bullseye. And, and the challenge that 
uh, he brought to the description is there's one thing for certain on the target where all of the bullets are through the bullseye, and that is that the shooter shot way too slow. You know, and so it's like this is a dance and a marriage between what is effective, you know, and so what we, I think, would would search for is some more or less quality grouping around the center and having a, a little bit of uh, a dance between speed and accuracy, you know, and so I I don't I don't personally want to live a life, and even the most type A folks uh, who might disagree, I don't think they want to live a life either that is completely deterministic, you know, meaning if if you can tell me for the next year exactly what will happen when it will happen, then why do we need to do the next year, you know, and so uh, there needs to be some. I think wiggle room between, you know, completely controlling for and curating our, our days and times and efforts and, and planning and, and leaving some room for like the dance of the performance, you know, and I, so I just find that a couple loose, uh, guidelines help get me to a high performance week and also grants me some freedom to live some, undeterministic life <laughs> just to extend that for a second and i'm going to throw the same question to ryan what's what's your relationship logan with satisfaction when i've heard you say that sat- being satisfied can be the enemy and it probably goes back to something stephen pressfield talks about in the the war of art what's today how would you describe your relationship with satisfaction well, that's a great question i don't know if i'm either signing myself up for a bunch more work or letting the cat out of the bag or both. But I've thought about the title of my (laughs) second book being dissatisfaction uh, and some, you know, more helpful subtitle, of course. But um, the reason being is I'm extremely interested in this topic of both satisfaction and dissatisfaction. And I maybe be maybe just ignorant to other people's experience, but I don't really know who is satisfied. And if they are satisfied, if that's a genuine feeling or not, Uh, because I find that it is through this process of facing dissatisfaction that we iterate and evolve in all realms and efforts uh, and so to really understand what i just said would like um, i would like to first say that you know this this process of practice specifically deliberate practice you know how we make efforts as human beings and just about anything has a built-in mechanism of dissatisfaction that serves us quite well and that is that and i think we maybe spoke about this the last time uh, I was on, just in a different context, which is, you know, uh, when you set out to do something, whatever it is, you know, draw a picture, shoot a basketball, you know, um, ask a girl out, uh, give a speech, uh, whatever the task at hand is, you imagine the idealistic outcome, you know, I don't imagine anybody's uh, gone into a, a game in sport and uh, set out to lose, right? We, we set out to win. But, of course, anybody who's done that also realizes that 
doesn't always go that way. And so the model by which we take action on anything is this kind of idealistic image. And then what happens in real life is we start making these efforts and then we just, we notice the differences between what we imagined and what we actually did. And I would you know, venture to, to tell anyone who's willing to listen that it's that dissatisfaction the difference between what you were attempting to do and what you actually did is the exact thing that drives our excellence. It is ex- it's specifically what informs our development. And so I don't really relate with satisfaction, um, except maybe in a weird roundabout way of saying I'm sufficiently satisfied with all of my dissatisfaction. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm thirsty and hungry and obsessed with dissatisfaction because it's everywhere and that's okay. And I use it to my advantage. That could be a sign for the studio wall, Robbo. I'm thirsty for my dissatisfaction. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And it, it'll, it'll be a T-shirt by Friday. Yeah, I was going to say, we'd get her on a T-shirt. That's right. Yeah. And a cap and a, and a tea. I think that'd be a range of tea towels. Thirsty for dissatisfaction. Just sit there every night, just a tea towel, Mojo Radish, a oh, tea towel. We could make bar mats out of it. That'd be better. Yeah. Yeah. We actually gave the same idea to Matthias, the World Memory Championship, but he forgot all about it. Anyway, so um, but Ryan... <laughs> Brian, uh, just tell me, what's your – and I'm going to close this up because I know Logan's on a bit of a time deadline, so I'm very respectful of that. What's your thought on, on satisfaction, Ryan? Do you, have you ever thought about your relationship with satisfaction or dissatisfaction? You know, I, I think Logan really articulated his thought on that in a way that matches the way I feel. Uh, I, I don't think – that I could say it any better. Um, I think I agree with his answer fully. Um, I, I think there's. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's, I, I don't know if you want to call it a shadow or, or, or a downside to that, that, um, you know, when we, when we embrace the dissatisfaction or, or the, the drive, you know, as, as Logan said, you know, that, that is the thing that drives us. And I think for the people who are close to us, uh, it can come across as nothing is ever good enough for us. And um, I think that that is just something that we need to be aware of. Um, and, you know, for me, it's uh, that awareness presents a reminder to practice gratitude and to make sure that the people who are in my life know that while they see my drive and and my hunger to close that gap, uh, 
that that doesn't mean that you know I'm not satisfied with what I have. And <laughs> I know that probably sounds like a whole bunch of nonsense, but I think it is an important thing to keep in mind um, for those of us who uh, use that dissatisfaction to uh, in- inform the direction that we need to go and, and drive our pursuits. Just to close this out, Ryan, something I heard you talk about a little while ago was you said there was a period of time where you carried anxiety about finishing your time on the planet and death was something you carried some anxiety about. So without going into that too deeply and stuff, I've just got a a related but unrelated question. James Lipton on a show called Inside the Actor's Studio, which people can find on YouTube, where he interviews the best living actors, producers, and directors. Fabulous show. That guy does rich research, like deep, deep, deep research. The final question he always asks his guests in front of a live audience of young actors, producers, and directors is, if heaven exists, when you get to the pearly gates, what would you like God to say to you? When you finish your time and you get to the pearly gates, based on all we've talked about today, what's the one thing you'd like God, if God exists, to say to you? Well done. I mean, I've I've never... I've never thought about that, uh, but I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine much else. Um, you know, uh, just pat on the back. Well done, Logan. What would he say to you if he or she, if God exists? What would they say to you? You know what? I would like uh, God to say. You know what? You did such a good job down there. We're putting you back in, buddy. Go get him. <laughs> <laughs> putting you back in the game. <laughs> oh, that's gold. That is, that's going to the studio. Well, that's gold. Uh, nice. Yeah. You're, another, you're getting another go at bat. Well done, Tiger. Yeah. Unfortunately, and unfortunately, he would say to me, see, I told you not to use the phrase, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. God would say to you, Robbo, loved your range of tea towels. Yes, that's it. There you go. <laughs> Can I have loved a tea towel? Tea towels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gentlemen, I honestly could spend hours and hours. I haven't even scratched the surface of what I was going to go through today, but because you, your stuff was so compelling. Honestly, I'm such a fan of both of you. I have got another two pages of stuff that we're going to go through. Um, Thank you so much for your time. It was really just a joy to have such great talent on on different ends of the phone chatting with us. Um, Logan, I'm looking forward to your next book, I Stub My Toe. I think that's going to be an absolute bestseller. I I think that. And when when you've done that book, uh, I Stub My Toe, and I'm totally dissatisfied with that. Um, Please uh, please come back. Um, So, Logan, where, where do we send people to find out more about you, your work, your book? The, the gym, where's the hub for Logan? Yeah, uh, you can go to holdthestandard.com and that's where you can find my seminars and online education or you can just find me at Functional Coach on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Uh, Ryan? Uh, RyanMuncy.com, uh, same thing. The workshops, seminars, uh, online course is all there and Instagram is at Ryan Muncy with an underscore at the end of it. And you can also find out more about the Mojo Radio Show's range of tea towels at themojoradioshow.com. 
We're going to do that. We're going to do some really good tea towels. <laughs> With all, with all the gold, gold tea towels. I want to do it. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. 2020, it. that's it. A range of tea towels with gold. Yeah. Uh, that'd be good. And, guys, since you inspired the idea, you get the first two. You'd <laughs> <Beautiful laughs> love that. <laughs> well, we're going to keep to time. Logan, you've got a pressing engagement to go to. Thank you, guys. It was just an absolute privilege, honour and treat to catch up with you guys again. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys rock. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you guys for having us. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to, to all three of you. This is Leif Babin, former Navy SEAL, co-author of the books Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership, president of Echelon Front, and you are listening to the Mojo Radio Show. Stand by to get some. I reckon that Logan's content about going right, I open every keynote speech with stuff about Logan with you've got the choice when you leave this venue today. Hold the stand. There's so much stuff. I think back, he was on, man, years ago on the show and to this day. Hang on. If if you're telling people when they leave the venue to go right, what if the bus stop's left? How does that work? (laughs) Too bad. (laughs) Suck it up, princess. Walk. Walk a block. (laughs) Walk a block. That was good, though. We we haven't had a doubleheader for a long while. Honestly, that's the best doubleheader we have ever had on the show. And honestly, I, I kid you not, I've got two hours of stuff I could have asked each of those guys about. They did say they're going to come back on again because that was just gold. I mean, the two of them bouncing off each other, the respect they had for each other, the shared knowledge coming at the same thing from different angles. Um, there's got to be, you know, at some point we've got to get to LA and get these guys on the beach there on the, on the boardwalk at Santa Monica and do a show because yeah, um, they're killer. They are killer. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that's what's really funny? What's really ironic is when I talk about Logan, if I'm out doing a gig, <laughs> it, it clunks when you go, Logan Gelbrick, owner of Deuce Gym, because people don't associate the fact that you could be a modern-day philosopher, a Yoda, <laughs> and work in the yeah, gym. Yeah. It just does it clunks. It really – and it just goes to show exactly what I said in the intro, mm. ensuring against mediocrity – Yeah exposing ourselves to, to different points of view, breaking dogma and status quo, that being a guy who's actually a philosopher who runs a gym, people just can't get their head around the fact that he just does it so well. Well, the fact that he says six more push-ups you must do might give it away, though. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that a Swedish or a Dutch accent? Yeah, I, like, what, I can't what, do Yoda. What was right. that? Point that taken. should be edited. Robbo's Remarkable Facts. Let's go. So with summer almost at its end here in Australia, I've copped another summer of flack from my family because one of my favourite things about summertime is to run around barefoot. I just love no shoes. I get out the front, I mow the lawn, I do all that stuff with no shoes, which probably isn't the safest, but it's, it's one of my favourite things about summer. But as I said, this, this year especially, I've been copying some flack off the wife about looking like a hobo and taking more care of myself. And so I thought I'd do a bit of research and see if I could figure out if there were any benefits to running around barefoot. And it turns out there's this thing called grounding, which is sort of discharging your body of a positive electrical charge. And there's some real benefits I found uh, that have been researched, things like helping regulate cortisol, which is your body's main stress hormone, neutralizing free radicals, which can lead to cancer, reducing inflammation, reducing stress, improving sleep, 
reducing some of the risk factors of cardiovascular disease. It can reduce pain. So I now, <laughs> I now have a weapon when I get told that I look like a hobo. I can say, hey, well, I'm just grounding. Yeah, this, is, this has been talked about uh, for a little while now. I've heard guys like Ben Greenfield, Dave Asprey, these guys, and how they use it is they will say, particularly if they get off a long flight, they will go straight to a park get rid of the shoes and walk yeah. around. So there is there is actual science around it and you'd have to say that it dates back thousands of years. This is not a new phenomenon, but there is something to it. In a society where we spend so much time in shoes, also working walking on cement can actually do it for you, walking on rocks. It doesn't have to be grass. So there is something to walking on cement even if your feet are a bit tender like mine. You know who else I reckon is a big aficionado of grounding is Katie Lang because I don't know if you noticed but uh, about three or four weeks ago here in Australia we had a massive concert here in Sydney uh, to raise funds for the bushfire appeal and uh, Katie Lang performed as one of the artists and did amazing rendition of Alleluia. Uh, that Lennon Cohen track. Absolutely haunting. It was good, wasn't it? Lola, can you just play us a bit of that? You know, the other interesting thing that came out of that was her interview on the television at the end of of her set. She talked about the healing that needed to be done in terms of people who've lost homes, animals that have been displaced and all that sort of stuff. But it was really interesting that by the time the concert was on, we'd moved on from fires to floods and it sort of clunked a little bit. It was weird. I think because the media has moved on, we shouldn't move on. And I think it's incumbent upon anybody, particularly in our country, or those visiting our great country, is to go for a weekend to the country, to the areas that we hit, or the surrounding areas, have a holiday, or just at least go for a drive and have a coffee on the road in one of these towns. And there's an incredible graphic, which I will put in the show notes, for any listener anywhere in the world, if you want to understand the gravity of how these fires started and the gravity, it's actually taken from space, and it's got a narration that goes with it. It is absolutely incredible to tell the story of what our country went through and why the healing is such a big piece. Did you post that on Facebook? Uh, I've got it off you. Uh, I was going to use it as part of the post for the show when it goes out, so it'll be up there. We'll get you to post it on Facebook as well, mate, because it's really something that we need to share. And also on that show, the firefighter concert in Sydney, 75,000 people saw Ivor Davies former guest of the show and one of our faves that we, we recall and talk about quite a bit on the show, episode 103. In fact, one I refer to quite regularly in my social media when I'm doing posts about creativity and writing and all that sort of stuff, a very, very good interview. And he played Great Southern Land live. It was brilliant. And they had these, you'll see it online, it's the incredible graphics behind him. And it really, I don't know, to me it was quite emotional. And then I think if you're considering... The message that KD left us with, with her shoes off, singing hallelujah, and then the healing we must go through. Folks, if you can do your part, even as a cup of coffee, somewhere in the country to help this great Southern land heal, 
I think it's incumbent upon all of us. It's going to be a massively long road. There are people suffering still. Although we've moved on with our world, they haven't. So what are you got for our playout song? Uh, quite possibly the only way we could play out after that conversation. This is the aforementioned Ivor Davies with his band Ice House uh, and the song Great Southern Land. But yeah, just to put a bit more of an Aussie twist on it, and please forgive me, traditional owners, for my pronunciation, this is the Biraku Danguda mix of Great Southern Land by Ice House. We're out.
The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the basement of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. To help us get better and give more people the opportunity to touch up their mojo, you can now find us on Patreon. Follow the links on the front page of our website and for a coffee or two a month, you'll get regular bonus material and a copy of Explosive Hits 19, the best of the Mojo Radio Show. In the meantime, to polish your next audio production, check out voodoosound.com.au. For more about Gary, see garybirtwhistle.com. And to book me, go to andrewpeters.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.